You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Battery Power Podcast crossover, if you will, of the Daily Hammer and the podcast to be named later. That's right. Myself, Sean Coleman. You can find me at StatsSEC on Twitter. Filling in for regular podcast to be named later co-host, Chris Willis. And I'm happy. We've been ta- we've talked many times before, but always a pleasure to speak with Stephen Tolbert, one of the best minds when it comes to breaking down Braves baseball. Stephen, how are you, sir? Good to be with you once again. What's up, Sean? Yeah, buddy, it's always good to do one of these with you. Um, we always have fun. Uh, we appreciate you stepping in. Obviously, Chris is a is a busy guy. He runs the whole site, so he's always got stuff on his plate. So um, we appreciate you jumping in uh, last minute to pinch hit. Absolutely, and it's always fun to step in when the team that you're covering is playing you know, such good ball. So we'll, we'll get right into that. Of course, you could find Stephen at B underscore Outliers on Twitter, myself at StatsSAC, the Battery Power Podcast Network at BatteryPower.com, at BatteryPowerSVN, free on all podcast platforms. Just hit that subscribe button. You'll get the latest content when it's available. But Stephen, before we get started, the Braves obviously completing the sweep of the Cardinals this afternoon going to 5-1 and one on the season. And, and one of the reasons why I, I just always enjoy talking with you is because you come up with these great perspectives. And you shared a stat that was just awesome to see this early in the season, earlier today on Twitter. Would you mind referencing that stat one more time, please? Yeah, so I looked it up. The The Braves have a two-and-a-half game lead um, in the East right now, and that's after six games, obviously. And last year, for the entire season, the largest lead they ever had at any point was two games. So they've already exceeded their largest lead from all of last year, um, six games into this season. Now, obviously, that's, you know, the that depends on how well the Mets and the Phillies and everyone else plays. It's not just about you, but still funny to see that we're not even a week into the season. And the Braves already have a bigger lead now than they had at any point last year. And they won 101 games last year. So that is funny. Absolutely. And the great thing about this 5-1 and one start is that, you know, obviously the Braves overcoming, you know, Questions about their pitching staff entering the seasons. More questions have arise. We'll discuss that later on in the episode. You know, but the Braves are just playing great baseball right now. And as I, you know, as myself, Stephen, Chris, and others have mentioned before, it's really good to see them getting off to a good start to this season because that's been the part of the season where they've struggled in recent campaigns. But it's not hard to see why, Stephen. You could go into many different, you know, statistical perspectives. It's not hard to see why the Braves are are playing good baseball right now. Their stars are shining bright. Ronald Acuna Jr., Matt Olson, Austin Riley all have an unbelievable start to the season. Just how important and fun is it to see all three of those guys right out of the gate delivering on the excellent potential we know they all have? Yeah, it's huge. I mean, this team is built on its offense. It's built on the very top of its offense, right? Acuna. I mean, when Acuna is healthy, he's one of the, you know, two or three best players on the planet. And so, and we've seen that early. I mean, every aspect of the game, 
every tool in the box, you know, he's got, he can run, he can throw, he can hit, he can hit for power. Um, you know, he'd probably have a couple more home runs if it wasn't so cold up in Washington. I think he had three balls hit to the wall in Washington and it was like 45 degrees. So, um, yeah, it's great to see him lifting the ball again. It's great to see him hitting, driving the ball. You can tell that that leg is, is just is so much better than it was last year where he couldn't really drive off of it. And you can see it the way he runs the bases, the way he's running around in the outfield. Um, you know, he, he came up, he almost made an incredible diving catch yesterday and got up and threw a guy out at second. So, um, yeah, Acuna, it starts with 13, right? Acuna, Acuna is the guy that starts everything for the Braves. And then, you know, Olsen and Riley really do. I mean, they are the, you know, they're, they're the other two stars on the team. I and mean, there's other good players, but in terms of pure star power, you know, it's those three guys. And, and obviously Snit likes having all three of those guys at the top of the lineup, um, which I like too. I mean, you know, there's maybe little adjustments I would make with the lineup, but getting your best hitters, the most at bats is always, you know, uh, at least a, a, a smart move in, in some regards. You're never going to go wrong having those guys get the most at bats. And that's what, that's what happens when you put them all three at the top of the lineup. And listen, they dominated that St. Louis series. I mean, they really did. Acuna all three games, you know, Riley two games and then Olsen today. Um, they, you know, they, and, and early in games too, right? They're getting early runs. They're giving some of these young pitchers um, room to breathe you know, three runs, four runs after the first couple innings, and it probably helps everybody settle down a little bit. So, yeah, it's great to see. Um, if those guys have big years, then it's hard not to see the Braves winning, you know, 95-plus games and, and another division. So it all starts with them, and, and even even among them, it all starts with Acuna, right? If he's healthy, if, he's, if he looks like the guy that we saw for the first half of 2021, then this Braves team really doesn't have a ceiling. Absolutely. And, and you hit on a great point, right? You know, with the questions that the Braves have had, you know, they've they've had in three of their games so far, they've had starters who either were making their major league debut in Jared Schuster and Dylan Dodd or have less than 10 career starts in um, Bryce Elder. So it's a lot easier for those guys to pitch with an early lead than pitch with the score tied or, or your pitch from behind. So that's a big key point. If this offense can score early, we're built for a team that can protect a lead, especially with how deep our bullpen is. So it's really awesome to see. But the other aspect of things that's really encouraging is we talk about Ronald Acuna being healthy. Stephen, he showed in that series how impactful he could be when it comes to the base pass, when it comes to the defense. And that's something else that we've seen the, B the Braves be able to do. They're getting the most out of their position players. The defense has been excellent. We've been aggressive on the base pass. It's just been an all-around effort that is clicking for this Braves team. But especially against another playoff caliber team in the Cardinals, our defense made the difference, showing the Braves can find multiple ways to win when they need to. Yeah, the, the defense and specifically in the Cardinal series, I thought the first game of the year was pretty sloppy, but since that game, they've been lights out on defense. You know, Arcia has looked incredible at short. He's made, you know, probably eight or nine really, really good plays already. Um, you know, obviously Ronnie is running around better than we saw at any point last year. He's got a cannon, you know, Riley's made some good plays. Olsen made some good plays. Harris made that incredible catch. You know, at the walls today, um, you know, Murphy's already thrown a guy out. He's made some really big stops behind the plate. You know, he he 
he wrote, he caught that ball from Ronnie that was on a hop and, and made the tag, which isn't always easy. The defense has been really good. I mean, it's been really good. Snit talked about it at the end of the game yesterday. I think that this was one of the best defensive series he's ever seen. And um, I agree. They've just been, they've been lights out and, you know, the Braves don't, the Braves had starting pitchers on the mound who aren't necessarily strikeout artists, right? Like Elder, Dodd, you know, those guys aren't going to go out and strike out 12 guys in, in six innings, right? They're going to, they're going to have the ball put in play quite a bit more than maybe your average starter. And so how well your defense plays when that happens is a big part of whether or not you win or lose. And, you know, when the ball was put in play in the series, um, the Braves were incredible and they turned a lot of hard hit balls into outs and, you know, they didn't let a lot of softballs drop in in front of him. Uh, you know, even Rosario came in and made a, a nice running catch at one point in the series. So, yeah, it was all around. It was great to see. Um, I'm I'm a huge proponent of great defense. I, You know, it was kind of one of my concerns about Arcia was, you know, how much range does he have at this point in his career? And, you know, he's answered really all those questions early on. So um, it's been really fun to see. I hope it continues. It, it does make life so much easier for the pitching staff, especially when you're not getting – you know, eight, nine strikeouts a game, being able to turn batted balls into outs is, is a really good way to win a lot of games. And and that's the thing about it is that if you're playing excellent defense, if you're hitting the ball well and you're doing it early, you're, you're basically just – you're checking all those boxes to be able to win. But, you know, speaking of checking boxes, you know, the one thing that we thought all of us did – you know, I won't speak for you, Stephen. I'll, I'll speak for myself. But – one box that we thought was unchecked from the offseason was the shortstop position and, you know, some roster moves with, um, you know, um, Avon Grissom especially, you know, going to AAA with Braden Shoemake. Orlando Arcia, this guy's going to be our starting shortstop. We extend him to start the season, and we're all thinking like, okay, you know, he, he'll be a fine utility guy. But, Stephen, he's doing exactly what he needs to do. And I talked about it on the hammer yesterday. For Orlando Arcia, it's not doing more than that's expected of him. Play solid defense, occasionally contribute on offense. That's exactly what the Braves need for him to do. But he's shown he could be a cog and a, a critical cog in the bottom of the order, but he's also played very good defense up the middle, which now more than ever is important. He's been pretty impressive so far in the, the play of Orlando Arcia. Yeah. And listen, we we if you don't know by now, and everybody should know by now, because the team has made it very clear with their actions that the Braves are very high on Orlando Arcia, and they have been since the day they traded for him. They thought more of him than what his, you know, maybe offensive numbers have said. They thought he had way more in the, in the, in the tank. They, you know, they just saw way more potential than probably the general public did. And certainly more than I did, or, or most people that kind of follow and cover this stuff as much as we do. Um, they've always just been higher on him than everyone else. And so, you know, when when Grissom had a really strong spring, we just all assumed that, you know, he would be the guy. But clearly they had very, very serious doubts about the defense. And I don't think that's, you know, I don't think that's a question at this point. I think that's very clearly what happened. And they felt Arcia was just the more solid way to go. And, you know, through the first six games, he certainly hasn't done anything to change their mind. I mean, he, he's basically kind of confirmed what they were thinking that he would be if nothing else he's just going to be a solid veteran that you know he might not win you games but he's not going to lose you games and when you're talking about you know the guy that bats ninth in the order um then that's all you're really looking for you're not looking for a star the Braves have plenty of stars they have plenty of talent they just need somebody to catch the ball at short you know make all the routine plays 
and not just absolutely kill them with the bat. And our, you know, Arcia has been really good. He's got five or six hits already. He's got a homer and a homer in this series against St. Louis. So, you know, he's done everything and more that the Braves needed out of shortstop. And if, you know, if you listen to Snit and anytime you want to know, you know, Snit, Snit will tell you his opinion on stuff. You know, if you just listen to him, if you listen to Snit talk about Arcia, I mean, he glows about Orlando. He loves him. He thinks he's an amazing teammate. He works his tail off. He, you know, all he does is just show up every day and he's got a big smile on his face. And, you know, I think he's a great clubhouse guy. I think he's great for, you know, uh, for all of his teammates. And uh, I'm happy for him. I'm really happy for him. You know, he was a, he was an elite prospect at one point with Milwaukee. He was like the number 10 overall prospect in baseball. And, you know, it just never kind of worked out for him there. And he could never really figure out the offense and, you know, they needed more, so they, they kind of moved on. And, and so to see him having some late career success with the Braves, uh, you know, a team that really does love him. And um, I, I'm happy that the fans are kind of jumping on board. A lot of people were kind of pissed or surprised when it was him. But, you know, he's won a lot of people over with just how well he's played, how solid he's been. And um, I don't know how long it'll continue. You know, we've never really seen it over a full season with Arcia, so – you know, it's still early and we're going to have to see how it goes as we get later and later. But in terms of the first week, you know, you can't really ask for much more than what he's done. And so when we speak of this first week, and I agree with you 100 percent, you know, he he's delivered. And and that's the thing about this is that, you know, if the Braves can get Arcia just to fill his role in adequately. If they could figure out, you know, left field, you know, whether, you know, it's Eddie Rosario, uh, you know, Marcelo Zuna's start to the season, I think, you know, just shows he's back to normal, but we'll, we'll, that's for another time. But the point that I'm getting at is, is that with the defense playing like it is, our stars shining at the top of the order and our bullpen being the way that it is, as the pitching improves, one thing that I think can separate us from other National League contenders, Stephen, is that, you know, I think there are several teams that are out there that have very high ceilings. I think the Braves, you know, can have a highest ceiling as anyone, but that consistent high floor of play, I think that that could separate, separate us in the NL East and can also separate us in the NL pennant race, especially when you look at the starts that the Mets and the Phillies have had on their ends. That really seems to be in play for the Braves. And so if we can continue to click on, you know, multiple cylinders each game and get, get, getting back to that point about winning multiple ways, but that consistent high floor for the Braves could become a calling card that really could position us well as the season continues to go along. Yeah, they're... You know, it's all it's going to all be about the starting rotation in that regard. You know, you're only as good as your next day starting pitcher is kind of the old baseball axiom. And, you know, that's kind of where the Braves are going to be right now until they get Max back and Kyle back. You know, if those guys come back and, and look like they did last year, then the Braves are probably the best team in baseball, quite honestly. I mean, you know, they don't really have any holes in the lineup. Um, they're going to get a Glacius back, which is going to make the bullpen even deeper, which is already a really deep bullpen. You know, if they get if Max comes back and Kyle Wright comes back, Strider looks like he did in the first start and like he did most of last year, then they're the best team in baseball. And I, I don't even think it's that close, quite honestly. So, yeah, their ceiling is as high as anybody. But, you know, to your point, the floor is going to be entirely based on, you know, Max Freed, how that hamstring heals, Kyle Wright, how the shoulder looks. He had a rehab start today. I think we're going to talk about him in a minute, but – you know, if they get those guys back and then you have Elder and you have Dodd and you have Schuster and you have depth, you know, Soroka's in there as well as, as a guy who's a, who's now pitching in AAA. So, you know, it's going to be a, 
pretty much all the questions of this team right now are tied to the rotation. And if they get that figured out, if, if the guys that they have coming back, come back and look like they normally do, then yeah, this is the best team in baseball. And it's probably not that close. Absolutely. And the other thing that, you know, stands out to me is this, is that, you know, we talk about the start to the season with the fact that there were questions about where Wright and Soroka were, you know, about the struggles of Ian Anderson and Bryce Silver in spring training, you know, giving two rookies two spots in the rotation for their major league debuts. You know, how is this going to work out? Well, it's worked out just fine. But there are more questions that have entered the fray as well, and we'll start there. You know, obviously the news that was out there today um, you know, we know Ian Anderson obviously went on the, um, or excuse me, um, Max Freed went on the injured list to bring up Bryce Elder to start today's game. But also it was announced today that Ian Anderson has gone to the seven-day IL in the minors due to an elbow injury that is being evaluated. Now, there's very little information that's out there, but that certainly is not an ideal setup. You hit on Max Reed's hamstring, but from our most important pitcher in Max Reed to one that we certainly hope would bounce back and provide great depth in Ian Anderson, these injuries, no matter how well we performed, they're less than ideal. The hope is, is that they certainly get better as time goes on. Yeah. So, you know, the Braves have already dealt with their share of, of pitching injuries. Obviously, they've got, you know, Wright on the IL, Fried, uh, Max Fried on the IL, uh, Rossio Iglesias on the IL, um, Ian Anderson is on the the AAA IL. And so their depth took a hit. You know, Soroka got hurt in spring and, and was slow to get back, and so that hurt their depth. Colby Allard is on the 60-day IL. So, like, they've dealt with – they've certainly had their share of um, of pitching – attrition uh, uh, for this early in the season. The good news is I don't think any of it is serious or long-term problems. It's more nagging stuff. And, you know, they, they should start to get these guys back. I think Wright is eligible to come off next week. Um, and then Max is probably a couple more weeks out. He just went on the IL and it's 15 days for the pitchers now. So, you know, it's usually a full three starts that you're going to miss. So, but, you know, they have depth. Elder and Dodd came up, like, in this series. And, you know, that was a really good team that they played. You know, St. Louis is probably going to be a playoff team. That's a really good lineup. It was on the road. You know, those were, that was not easy what, what Dodd and Elder did the last two days. The last two days. So, you know, they're, they're, that kind of depth is going to matter a lot. And um, every time Michael Soroka, you know, pitches in Gwinnett, it's going to matter how well he looks, you know, how – you know, how – his recovery is going, you know, he's coming back from these, these, you know, the same injury twice. And so how well he looks is, is a big deal in terms of the depth, but yeah, the pitching is just that, you know, starting pitching and that's not, it's not just the Braves. It's really every team starting pitching is the lifeblood of your team. It's you're, you're only going to be as good as your starting pitching. And so, you know, that's going to be the big question. And, um, but like I said, with the Braves, the good news is at least, it doesn't seem like any of them are serious. It, looked, it seems like the Braves are going to get them, most of the guys back, you know, knock on wood, in, in a relatively short order. So we talked about the fact that with, you know, all these different happenings going on with the uh, starting rotation, 
Um, the thing about it that stands out to me is that, you know, now you've got Braves country's eyes watching Gwinnett's pitching staff just as much as Atlanta's. And the exciting thing is, or at least intriguing thing, is you got multiple days in which, you know, hey, the starter for Atlanta and the starter for Gwinnett are both worth watching. We've seen that now on Sunday when things weren't that great for Jared Schuster and Ian Anderson. But on Tuesday, things worked out great for Dodd and um, Michael Soroka. And then today, Bryce Elder, arguably the best start of his career, but the other big news, Stephen, is that Kyle Wright went six innings. He struggled a bit, gave up five runs, a grand slam, but six strikeouts, only one walk. I think through this, the Kyle Wright and the Braves were mostly excited about seeing he can handle a normal workload as well as the fact that he would remain healthy through the start. So pretty encouraging, making another start. But we've had two straight days of, of good pitching performances for Wright and Soroka health-wise, but I first want to focus on Dodd and what we've seen from Schuster and Bryce Elder. From what you've seen so far from those three, Stephen, do you think one of Schuster, Dodd, or Bryce Elder could potentially keep a rotation spot for an extended period of time this season? Yeah, I think Dodd is – I mean, I know he's going to get another start. You know, the, the Braves – the Braves pretty much always reward good performances in the rotation. You know, if, unless unless the only reason you're up is because you're just filling in for somebody injured, then as long as you pitch well, you you stay in the rotation. And you know, even when when Max and and Kyle Wright get back, you know, the Braves still need a fifth starter. And so that was kind of the storyline all spring. And so I think Dylan Dodd certainly has earned, you know, another at least another couple of starts to show you know that what he did yesterday wasn't a fluke. You know, he throws strikes, which Snit is all about. You know, if you ever listen to Snit talk about guys who throw strikes or even probably more funny than that is listening to him talk about guys who are not throwing strikes. Um, it, it physically pains him when pitchers are walking guys are always behind two and oh, three and one. I mean, that's why Ian Anderson got cut from camp so early. You know, he got cut two weeks before opening day is because he couldn't throw strikes. He was walking guys. He was constantly behind. And, you know, Brian Snicker is not going to sit there and watch guys, you know, throw balls, you know, one after the other, after the other, and just keep walking guys. And so, you know, Dodd throws strikes and that's, that's, it's not the greatest stuff in the world. It's like 92, 93. It's got a decent slider. Um, it's not going to blow you away with stuff, but he commands it really well. It probably plays up a little bit because of the command. And so he's going to get an opportunity to, to show what he can do. Um, and if he, you know, if he has a couple of missteps and has to go back down, then they'll probably do the same with Schuster. Elders certainly earned, you know, time up here with the way he's pitched, um, you know, and then Soroka is the wild card. But um, yeah, I think Dylan Dodd certainly has earned, you know, the he's going to get, I know, at least one more and probably a few more, um, you know, and if he keeps pitching like that, then, he, you know, he, he's going to be up as long as, as they want him. So, um, yeah, Dodd is the guy that I think they probably um, singled out at this point as being the fifth starter when everyone's back. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And so that's exciting to see. And overall, besides one bad inning from Jared Schuster, I, I believe that what the, the starters wind up giving up uh, of those three starters, if I'm thinking correctly, through 14 and two-thirds innings, besides that one start from Schuster, they gave up one run. Over the past uh, in three of the past four days, that's pretty good, you know, from from your uh, rookie starters. So hopefully they'll be able to, you know, consistently be able to put it out there. And again, it just comes down to just like Charlie Morton um, on a Monday night, just do enough to limit the offense of the opposition to give you know the Braves the chance to really get going. But let's get into the series that's coming up. So the Braves are five and one. They've looked excellent. They've still got some pitching things to work out, but two straight days of encouraging results both at the majors and minors level. But tomorrow, we start a four-game series against another playoff-caliber team, a pretty good measuring stick for this early part of the season, and that's the San Diego Padres coming to Atlanta. And, Stephen, it doesn't get much better than Spencer Strider versus Blake Snell. What are you looking from in Strider, who now is you know, clearly our ace at the moment? What are you looking for him in this start? And just a few things that you're looking at for the Braves to be able to find continued success against the Padres in the first home series of the season. Yeah, it's good to be it's good to be going home for the first time. You know, obviously tomorrow's the home opener and it'll it'll be packed. And I actually looked at maybe going to one of these games, but you can't even sniff, you know, uh, truest part this weekend. It's been sold out forever. So, yeah, it'll be a great series. It's funny the Braves. Obviously, like you said, they they have Snell tomorrow, and that's another lefty. And they've faced four – this will be their fourth lefty in seven games, which is really unusual. You know, typically you're, you see a left-handed starter about 30% of the time and a right-handed starter about 70% of the time. And there's just usually a lot more right-handed starters than left-handed. But, you know, just the way it's felt – it's fallen early on, the Braves are going to face their fourth lefty. Um, so, you know, they've – They'll throw their right-handed lineup out like they have been. But, yeah, you know, Strider looked incredible. Um, Blake Snell has actually had a – you know, he's had kind of an up-and-down tenure with with San Diego. He's not quite the same guy that he was when he was with Tampa. Um, he's older now. He's 30. He's not quite throwing quite as hard as he used to. He gives up a little, a few more homers than he did before. Um, so, you know, it, he's not quite the same guy. And I do, I do think it's – advantage for the Braves in that first game. I think Spencer is probably throwing a little better than, than Snell is at this point in their careers. So, you know, hopefully the, hopefully he can go out and give the Braves five, six innings, just like everybody's been doing Um, the bullpen, even though it's been used a lot because it's so deep, it hasn't really been stretched a lot. You know, guys are, are pitching, you know, they're still not really using guys back to back. Um, AJ Mender got the day off because the Braves had a big enough lead in the ninth that they have to use him. So, you know, even though the, it's a long, a long stretch of games, the Braves are in the middle of a 12 straight game stretch. The bullpen really isn't that bad of shape, which is really good considering the Braves had some, 
you know, rookie starters going in the St. Louis series. So, yeah, Strider gives you six and keeps you in the game. You like your offense against Snell, who's who's not quite the same guy he used to be. And the Braves typically crush, le- crush left-handed pitching. They just have so many righties. And, you know, Ozzy is essentially a right-handed batter and, you know, Cooney and Riley and all those guys. So um, I, I like the Braves' chances. I, I think they're the better team. They're at home. The place is going to be nuts. I mean, it's going to be absolutely crazy. Um, and they got their best pitcher on the mound. So, I, you know, it's baseball. Anything can happen. But I think it's certainly advantage Braves for, for game one. And the other thing that I'll say about, you know, the start of the season so far is that it really doesn't – so, like, obviously the, you know, defensive limitations now when it comes to the shift certainly is playing to the Braves' favor, of course. You know, I'm going to brag here a little bit. You can shift all you want to when your, you know, favorite team is hitting it out of the ballpark consistently. But the Braves' offense has not really, you know, been impacted by the shift. The defense seems to be doing just fine. The Braves are taking advantage, it seems. They're more aggressive on the base pass, and you've not really seen there be hardly any issues at all that have affected the Braves staff when it comes to the pitch clock. The start to the season with how smooth it's been with these new rules in place and really benefiting you know, what the Braves have done, is it surprising to you that it's been such a smooth transition so far and one that's really, you know, been beneficial for the Braves when it comes to all the different rule changes that were coming into play for this season? Yeah, I was worried about a couple of the pitchers for the pitch clock, like A.J. Minter. Um, we've talked about, I think Chris and I talked about this last week, but A.J. is one of the slowest relievers in baseball. Last year, he was, was almost as slow as Kenley Jansen. And so I was a little worried about him, you know, but he seems like he got used to it pretty quickly. I was in his last game um, yesterday. I was watching and he, every pitch he was throwing was with like seven, eight seconds left on the clock. So he's obviously made the adjustment. Um, yeah. The shifting is going to help guys like Michael Harris, who is a lefty hits the ball on the ground a ton, you know, he's got good speed. So the guy, you know, the other team can't shift as much, you know, with Olsen, I, I don't really think it's the shift, you know, you can't put anybody in the seats anyways. So, you know, the reason he's having success is because he keeps in the ball in the seats. And so, you know, I'm not sure the shift is playing as big a deal for him, but you know, and, and the Braves have a lot of speed, right? I mean, they've got Acuna, they got Harris, they got Ozzy. Um, they've got some guys on the bench that can run. And so the Braves can take advantage of, of the, the stolen base stuff. So, yeah, I mean, the Braves are set up pretty well to take advantage of it. I was worried about a couple of the pitchers, you know, being um, getting used to having to pitch so quickly. And honestly, I mean, you know, the pitch clock is an adjustment for the hitters too. It's called a pitch clock, but it's really a hitter's clock as well. Cause I think we've honestly seen more hitter violations of the clock than we have pitcher violations. So, you know, guys getting in the box, being ready at eight seconds and, and all that stuff. We haven't really seen too many issues. I think Colin McHugh had one where he, he didn't warm up fast enough and got a ball called against him. And um, I think Acuna had one where he wasn't deemed to be ready and, and got a strike called against him. But other than that, I can't remember too many violations. And um, I've seen some others around the league that have been far worse than anything the Braves have dealt with. So, yeah, it's been good. I think the staff did a really good job of, you know, they were all the pitchers were throwing their bullpens with a with a pitch clock throughout spring training to get used to it, and so yeah, the staff, the uh, the coaching staff did a really good job getting everybody ready, and and the Braves I think have probably taken advantage of the new rules more than they've had the rules taken advantage on them. So uh, it's been good. I don't know if it'll continue like that, but so far so good. 
Absolutely. And, and at the end of the day, you know, as, as we're here with a, a bit of a battery power podcast uh, network crossover with the Daily Hammer and a podcast to be named later. This is a show, the podcast to be named later, but filling in for Chris Wills here with Stephen Tolbert. Uh, Stephen, as we wrap up with the last you know, couple of questions, one thing that I think a lot of people were going to be interested in, you know, was how Spencer Strider and Michael Harris really started off this campaign, you know, being able to see would they be able to carry over um, their all the success that they had from last year. Strider certainly seems to have transitioned that change up into his arsenal where I think it could be a weapon. Michael Harris is getting off to a little bit of a slow start, but we just saw again today, we talked about Ronald Acuna Jr. I mentioned the high floor for the Braves, but that five-tool aspect of Michael Harris, when it comes to him being able to impact the game, speed, um, at the plate, defense, his defense came up big in the game earlier today against the Cardinals. You certainly want for Michael Harris to be, be, be producing at the plate, but I think today was a reminder that he can make as big of an impact as anyone across all facets of the game. So it's at least good to see that he's making an impact in the field, even when he's getting off to a bit of a slow start at the plate. Yeah, and, you know, when you play elite defense at an elite defensive position like center, then you really have, you know, you've already won most of the battle, right? I mean, you can just be so valuable without really doing anything on offense just because being an elite center field defender is is insanely valuable in itself. And when you add the fact that you're also a really good base runner and can steal bases, you know, it, it really is just a, so much of a higher floor for a player than if you only – if the only way you get value out of a guy is his bat, right? If the only way you can get value is his bat, then you're very much tied to the the ebbs and flows of, of you know, being hot and cold at the plate. Um, so with Mike, you know, it's it, you don't worry about him too much because he is going to bring so much inherent value just because of his skill set on defense and the bases. Offensively, he does have stuff he needs. To work on, and I've, talk, I've talked about this a little bit. And you know, people always freak out when I mention this stuff because they're, you know, people. Twitter is the worst place in the world for nuance, but you know, it is possible for a guy to be really good, you know, a really high level prospect, and have him things that you know he needs to work on. It so often people react as if I'm I'm saying that this guy now sucks or you know he's 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 washed or whatever, and you know the nuance is lost on a lot of people, but. You know, Mike needs to get the ball off the ground. I mean, I've talked about this on Twitter a bunch. You know, he ran a really high ground ball rate last year. Uh, for people that don't know, ground balls is where offense goes to die in the major leagues. You know, even without the shift, um, it's really, really hard to be a really good offensive player when you're hitting the ball on the ground 60% of the time, 65% of the time. And that's where Mike was last year. That's where he is this year. Um, he offset it last year because anytime he did hit the ball in the air, it usually went out of the ballpark. And, you know, that you're, you can't always count on that. You're not going to hit home runs at that rate, um, you know, every time you put the ball in the air. So for him offensively, yeah, he's got to get the ball off the ground. He's got to get the ball in the air a little bit more. He's got a ton of power. I mean, he's got an absurd amount of power for a, a kid his size and and power to all fields. So, you know, when he hits the ball in the air, he can do damage. Um, but, yeah, you know, he's it's a slow start at the plate. Um, like I said, the Braves have faced quite a few lefties which is not helping him. Obviously he's, he hits righties way better than he hits lefties, which is something else he needs to work on. But, you know, at some point the Braves are going to get a long stretch of right-handed pitching to balance out all these lefties they've seen early. And, you know, I have a feeling Mike's going to take off at that point, but 
you know, like you said, his defense is so good. His base running is so good. The floor is so high that you don't need a lot of offense. Uh, um, he just needs to continue working on, you know, seeing good pitches, swinging at good pitches, getting the ball off the ground, and he'll be fine. Um, but, you know, he doesn't have to do much at the plate to still be a really, really good player. Absolutely. And as we're wrapping up here, one last question for you, Stephen. So obviously, you know, SSS, you know, three of the, you know, letters that you don't want to see when you're talking all positive is small sample size. And, you know, hey, this isn't the case for the Braves. You know, they've shown over the past five years how they good how good they are with this core. But this things are going great right now. When it comes to going through this weekend against a quality opponent and through this uh, first home stand of the year, just one or two things that you're really focused in on, can we maintain this to really stay successful? Are are you skeptical of anything that started off much better than you had thought? Are you intrigued by some you know, performance that the or that the Braves are doing specifically that you're really interested in seeing if they can sustain it. Just one or two things that really stand out that you're going to be interested to see against the Padres and on this homestand, they can stay consistently good at. That's really helped them out to have this hot start. Yeah, the 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 middle relief, right? The kind of the sixth, seventh, eighth inning guys that have been used. You know, some of those guys, you know, Jesse Chavez, I'm always <laughs> I tweeted about this earlier, but Jesse Chavez is like a daily miracle, right? Like it's it's like it doesn't make any sense how good he's been since he's been with the Braves. And so, you know, naturally you're just always worried like when is the clock gonna strike midnight? You know, at what point is he gonna kind of turn into the guy that he's been everywhere else, you know, just not with the Braves. Um, and so I'm always a little worried about that, but every time I think it might be that time, he, he reels off like five or six really good outings in a row. And so, you know, stuff like that. Um, and uh, not having a Glacius, having all these days in a row, the bullpen is always something I think about and worry about just because of fatigue and guys being down and not being able to available. And so, you know, if you get a starter, that's, knocked out early and you got to cover a bunch of innings. And then Friday night, we didn't even talk about this, but Friday night, you know, the Braves don't really have a starter lined up. They're probably going to have to do a bullpen game or they're going to have to get creative with the roster to get somebody up. They don't really have a starting pitcher lined up for that game Friday. So anytime you have to do a bullpen game in the middle of a long stretch of, of games without a day off, it's, it's worrisome. So the bullpen is kind of always the answer to that question. I, you know, even if you have a good bullpen, you're just one, you know, bad start of having to cover six or seven innings and then, you know, a bullpen game the next day and then you got a bunch of guys down and, you know, it can snowball pretty quickly if you're not careful. So um, I'm always concerned about the bullpen, even if it's not really a concern, just because, you know, especially when you're in this stretch of 12 straight games, you just, you don't have any, you don't have any leeway, you don't have any rest. So um, yeah, keeping the bullpen fresh, I think Snit does a really good job of, of being disciplined about not, pitching guys you know if he just says they're not available today and we'll figure it out with everybody else and, and that keeps guys healthy and I haven't always loved Snitz bullpen management but he is really good at that part about keeping guys fresh so uh, but the bullpen is always the answer to that question you know I think the offense is going to do what it's going to do um, obviously I'd love to get these starters back and, and get the rotation fully healthy but you know keeping the bullpen fresh and 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 productive is kind of the always the the number one concern I think you know, I know 
you brought up all great points. And the answer to this question definitely likely isn't known now until you have far more certainty about your starting rotation. But we have seen that Alex Anthopoulos has made moves, you know, as we get closer to the trade deadline to, you know, bolster the bullpen, bolster the offense, you know, in the past. And he's always worked his magic there. He's made a couple of trades before, Tommy Malone, Jaco DeRizzi. But do you feel like that it certainly seems as if a, a starter may be, you know, maybe left field, but a starter could become the number one thing that the Braves could look to add as this season goes along if they were to move, make a move externally. Is that fair to say at this point in time, or is it still much too early to even make that assumption? Oh, no. I mean, I think that's – I mean, we were talking about that all offseason. I think Brad probably talked about that more than anybody, that, you know, the Braves could use another veteran starter. I mean, you can never have enough pitching in this this first week you know, 10 days of the season is a perfect example of why the problem with trading for starters is that everybody needs starting pitching at the deadline. And so you're going to pay an incredible price to get anybody that's worth getting. And if they're not worth getting, then, you know, usually you have somebody internally that's, you know, can, can be just as good, but anybody that's an actual improvement on your roster is going to be quite expensive because everybody needs pitching. So it is, almost always something that every team can use at the deadline, but it's very hard to make those moves. It's very hard to actually get those deals to the finish line. And, and fans always think about trades in, in a vacuum. They always think about, well, how much is this player worth? What does it take to get this player? And the problem with that is that it's not in a vacuum. You actually have to have the best offer of all the other teams involved. Even if that value is inherently higher than maybe that player is worth, it doesn't matter. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a binary idea. You either have the best offer or you don't. And so, you know, how much of their worth in a vacuum is, is, is not really the important factor. It's, you know, how much are they worth to any given team at the, at the time of the trade. So it, it, these deals are incredibly hard to pull off. And, you know, I, I, I could see a scenario where the biggest need for the Braves is starting pitcher. And the one thing they don't do at the deadline is starting pitcher. Uh, because the Braves have been in that situation before where they clearly needed a starter. 2020 is an example I can think of off the top of my head. You know, they needed starting pitching and Alex just couldn't get a deal done. And so he he bolstered the bullpen. He bolstered the offense to try to kind of work around it. But yeah, to your point, I think starting pitching is very likely to be the position that Braves probably need the most come the deadline. But it's also the hardest position to get a deal done. So it doesn't necessarily mean that's what they're going to do. Uh, but we'll see. Yeah, long way to go. You never know. Absolutely. And so we don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but just a lot of fun to to watch this team play right now. So, Stephen, as we wrap up here, you know, the, the latest edition of the podcast to be named later, uh, this podcast will be, you know, in your feeds, you know, tonight going into tomorrow and, and another exciting series for the Braves, you know, going against the Padres. Anything else from you, Stephen, as we wrap up this edition of the podcast to be named later? No, it's just been a really fun start. I mean, it really has, you know, you and I both kind of follow this team probably more than most. And, you know, they've really struggled out of the gates the last few years and put themselves in holes. And and obviously they've come back to win the division in the end. But, you know, it would be nice to actually kind of play from ahead for a while. You know, the Braves haven't spent a lot of time in first in April and May the last few years. So um, obviously the big thing is where you end. But it is nice to start well. It is nice to get off on the, you know, the on your front foot instead of your back foot. So and and it's nice to see the Braves are winning, you know, 
the way that they are with their best players playing well. It's not that it's not they're winning in spite of Acuna or in spite of Olsen. You know, they're winning directly because of those guys. And so that's, you know, you feel like that's a little more sustainable because those guys are playing at their actual talent levels. You're not getting some miracle, you know, performance for some randoms. You know, your your best players are playing well. And that's always a little bit more comforting. Absolutely. And and that's the great thing about it. Um, that, you know, comes down to, you know, what the, you know, Braves are looking at when it comes to their success is that these hot starts, now listen, I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, Matt Olson is going to sit here and hit three home runs every six games, but this whole thing about, you know, this being an unexpected or just outlier start for what Acuna, Olson, and, and Riley can do is, is the fact that it's not. These guys are among the NL's best, you know, hitters. They easily could all three finish in the top 15 of the MVP voting. But again, don't want to get ahead of ourselves. It's fun to see this happening. It's even more fun when you realize that these guys, to Stephen's point, are playing to their potential. For Stephen Tolbert, you can find him at B underscore Outliers on Twitter. My name is Sean Coleman. You can find me at Stats SAC. This has been another, you know, episode of the podcast to be named later. Stephen, always a pleasure. Go Braves. I look forward to talking with you again soon. Yeah, Sean. We like I said at the beginning, we really appreciate you jumping in last yep. minute. Um, it, it, it's always nice to have a whole network of guys who can jump on when when we've got stuff going on. So we really appreciate it, buddy. Absolutely, always a pleasure to talk with you, Stephen. Have a great night. Hope everybody listening has a great night. Follow the Battery Power Podcast Network at BatteryPower.com at BatteryPowerSBN. Free on all podcast platform at BatteryPowerSBN on Twitter and all the social media. Free on all podcast platforms. Just hit that subscribe button and you'll get the latest content when it's available. For Stephen Tolbert, again, my name's Sean Coleman. Have a great night. Go Braves. We'll talk to you again soon here on the Battery Power Podcast Network. Support for this show comes from Vanta. Dealing with loads of spreadsheets, juggling different tools, and having to do manual security checks, it can be a headache to keep up with today's compliance and security programs. Vanta is the trust management platform that wants to simplify things and bring all your trust-building efforts under one roof, making growth smoother for your whole organization. Vanta lets you automate up to 90% of compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more. Strengthen security posture and reduce third-party risk. Get $1,000 off Vanta when you go to vanta.com slash vox. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash vox for $1,000 off Vanta. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on mom? <laughs> no. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.